Hi friends, the following is part of a lecture I gave to a group of yoga teacher students on Kintsugi, the art of never being not broken or accepting the parts of us that feel broken, that feel like they're falling apart and that we don't want to have anything to do with. This is a whole talk about how what is broken in us is what makes us beautiful and how when we break and when our hearts break, we actually become more open and more available to the love and the rest of the world and each other. So I hope you enjoy it. All right. So we are going to, you know, in an extension of our weekend of creativity and digging deeper, we're going to talk about kintsugi. Basically, this, this is a form of pottery, but I'm going to give you guys some preamble before we actually get to the process of the party tables at the back. So whether we admit it or not, there is a part of us and probably a large part of us that is always hopeful of that harmonious, unbroken life. The beautiful relationship, the attractive, high-performing children, the home, the, you know, all the things that we think that we would have and then they would make us happy. And life being what it is, comes along and either gives us a, a bit of a nudge or sometimes, you know, with a little bit of a hammer or sometimes it comes along with a, a full battering ram and, and takes those ideas and those things that we thought we needed to make ourselves happy and whole and, you know, defined ourselves by and it gives them a good smack. And then, and then we're, we're, we're looking around and everything is broken and fallen apart and the things that we thought we knew the solid ground that we thought we had is gone. And this groundlessness is a little disconcerting. It's a lot disconcerting. It's, it's really hard. Anybody ever felt that? Or have we all had completely smooth lives? Yeah, just, just checking. So oftentimes we will describe this as being broken. And you, you hear people say, well, you know, I'm broken, or this is, you know, there's this, this part of me. And we have parts of ourselves that we don't like to sort of put out on display. I sort of make it akin to, you know, the, the, the social media person that we, we put out. My social media person drinks a lot of coffee, you know, takes pictures of trees. And you, you think I'm just out in nature drinking coffee all the time. <laughs> and that's, you know, we put out our highlight reel. So oftentimes you go on social media and you'll think, wow, everybody else has really got it together. Like, look, look at Jill's life. Oh my God, this woman really has it together. I mean, everything she does seems to work out so well and she does all this stuff. You're right in the front, so I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but we all have this part of ourselves, and it's, it's almost like this small child. It's this, this wounded part of ourselves, this little broken part of ourselves, and it may be of various sizes and have various things that, you know, we find difficult to love. And it's connecting with this part of ourselves. This is what this afternoon is going to be. It's going to be going beneath the part of us that, you know, we like to show the world, you know, hey, here I am, I've got this, I've got this. And we're going to kind of dig into that part of you 
doesn't feel whole, that doesn't feel like it's doing a good job, that feels like it's failed or broken or not good enough or not as good as. One life comes along and swings its little hammer at you or, or whatever it swings at you and, you and you feel broken. You can do a couple of things. You can, um, as a defense mechanism, you can harden yourself. You can build stronger walls so life can hit you harder and you are just going to brace and hold on. And you will get so hard and walled off that nothing can get in. And then with that, well, nothing can get in. And we wall ourselves off. And we all know people who do that, and we probably have all done that in different parts in our lives just to get through different situations or thought it was the only way to cope. The other thing that you can do is you can let yourself be broken and you can lean into the part that hurts, the part that feels shattered and absolutely awful and just Pema Chodron says, and I'm going to be talking a bit about Pema Chodron. Does, does anyone know who she is? Anybody? Okay, Diana. Okay, so a few of you. I mean, she is she is like my rock star. I, 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 she's amazing. And I've got this fabulous quote from her. We'll talk about it in a minute. But she talks about leaning into those sharp parts of life, those broken pieces. When we feel broken, instead of reaching for whatever numb, whatever we use to numb, and whether that's a behavior, whether that's a substance, whether, you know, whatever it is, However, we distract ourselves instead of doing that, staying in the moment, staying in what's ever painful, and then even leaning into that sharp, broken part and really experiencing all of it. And it's only through doing that, through that leaning in to being fully present for what's really, you know, awful, is that you can experience it completely and then it goes. It's like when you've got a muscle that's got a really hard little trigger point in it. And you can ignore it, and you could not move the muscle, and you can guard all you'd like, but all that's going to do is end up with a, a whole group of muscles that are stiff. Or you can dig your finger into the trigger point and, and breathe into it. So it's basically the emotional equivalent of a, well, actually, they call them trigger points and emotions too, don't they? Yeah. All right, so uh, trauma is something everybody, everybody experiences. It can be repressed but it cannot be erased. It will reorganize, it will change us. And it literally stores itself in the neural pathways in our brain and in the tissues in our body. There's a couple of books, The Body Keeps Score and Philip Levine's Waking the Tiger. But both of these books talk about how your body keeps score. And your connective tissue especially will store trauma, your hips especially, and the trauma-informed yoga that I teach at Cook County and, and in different places works on addressing the issues in the tissues. So your body will literally store this trauma inside. It's not just in your head. I mean, it is in your head, but it's also in your whole body. Now, the concept uh, of wabi-sabi, it talks about being content with, how did they say it, the everyday, the melancho melancholic, somewhat broken, and the imperfect. It's having respect for the passing, the aging, the fragile, and the slightly broken. 
that it's, it's like the concept of the velveteen rabbit that only when something has been loved and is worn and is aged then its real beauty shows and it says things are always more beautiful for bearing the marks of age and individuality and this you know is very buddhist because it talks about making peace with your transitory nature that nothing lasts forever i mean don't get attached to this because this too will pass and that goes with things that are absolutely fabulous and it goes with things that are absolutely drop you to your knee gut-wrenchingly awful it's the same it will pass it is all transitory so wabi directly translates into bittersweet exquisiteness of being on one's own which is i, I just think is is so beautiful just that you know you've all sort of experienced that bittersweet that that joy but loneliness of just being yourself and sabi uh, is is defined as marks of aging that can enhance an object so you know like these wrinkles <laughs> but all the things i mean honestly i think the velveteen rabbit is is my favorite example of what wabi sabi is or how you know a, a coat or just you know something that is beloved um, is only so because it has history and because it has been loved and it has been you know aged and it has been it has been around sort of to go with the idea that we 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 feel that we are only allowed to show this perfect version of ourselves there's a poem by one of my favorite poets his name is David White and if if you haven't heard of him um, look him up because when he's Irish he's dead sexy and he reads really cool beautiful poetry he has uh, a poem and it's called faith but what what he talks about is imagine if the moon was only going to come out when everybody wanted to pay attention to the moon like that's when you know, we've just had the full moon everybody's talking about the full moon and the energy of the full moon but most of the time it's just really three days a month that the moon is full and another three days of the month there's no moon at all and the rest of the time it's either waxing or waning so what if the moon was like us and said you know what if i'm not full and shiny and a cloudless sky i'm just not gonna forget it the very beauty in the moon is that it waxes and that it wanes and that it, it shows up as different fractions of itself and then you know sometimes isn't there at all the poem that he wrote about it it's called faith it's, it's one of my favorites and he says uh, i want to write about faith about the way the moon rises over cold snow night after night faithful even as it fades from fullness slowly becoming that last curving and impossible sliver of light before the final darkness but i have no faith in myself i refuse it even the smallest entry let this then my small poem like a new moon slender and barely open be the first prayer that opens me to faith so the idea of again honoring all parts of ourselves 
and the parts of ourselves that aren't luminous and beautiful and full. And then I have, because I'm all about poems, and I just can't help myself. But I had another one that I wanted to read you called, uh, and this is another fabulous poet, uh, Dana Folds. It's called Allow. She says, there is no controlling life. Try corralling a lightning bolt, containing a tornado. Dam a stream and it'll create a new channel. Resist and the tide will sweep you off your feet. Allow and grace will carry you to higher ground. The only safety lies in letting it all in. The wild and the weak, fear, fantasies, failures and successes. When loss rips the doors of the heart off or sadness veils your vision with despair, practice becomes simply bearing the truth. In the choice to let go of your known way of being, the whole world is revealed to your new eyes. So again, it's the becoming accepting of the parts of us that aren't aren't perfect, that we that we hide, that we don't want to keep up. And then Hemingway and Leonard Cohen also have a couple of quotes. So I mean this 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 concept is everywhere. It's all around us. It's not just in Eastern culture. But Hemingway in a farewell to arms says the world breaks everyone. Afterwards Many are strong in the broken places. And Leonard Cohen says, ring the bells, it still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That is how the light gets in. And it's the idea of a heart is only truly open after it's been broken. That only through breaking can your heart open up. And he has another line, and I'm going to bring it in later, about the physical heart and the spiritual heart underneath and how one will heal the other. So here, here comes my, my bit from, well, I've got quite a bit from Pema Chodron, but this is one of my favorite things. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned her before and why I like her. But this is from her book, When Things Fall Apart. She says, rather than letting our negativity get the better of us, we could acknowledge that right now we feel like a piece of shit and not be squeamish about taking a good look. This is why I love her. The woman is a Buddhist nun. And <laughs> this is how she talks about the world. And then I'm just going to read you a, a few more things from this book. I wanted to bring my copy in, and I'm pretty sure I gave it to somebody. I'm pretty sure I've had a few copies of this book, and I could not find it, so I had to print out some stuff. But she says, to be fully alive, fully human, and completely awake is to be continually thrown out of the nest. To live fully is to always be in no man's land, to explain each moment as completely new and fresh, to live is to be willing to die over and over again. And it's just this concept that there is no solid ground. It's the thing that we, we keep striving for. We keep 
working towards this solid ground. If only we get to this and then it's going to be okay. Everything, I'll feel better when I'm happy then. And you can do that all you like, but wherever you go, you take yourself. So this is, this is also Pema. She said, we think that if we just meditated enough, jogged enough, ate perfect food, everything would be perfect. But the point of view of someone who is awake, that's death. Seeking security or perfection, rejoicing in feeling confirmed and a whole self contained and comfortable is some kind of death. It doesn't have any fresh air. There is no room for something to come in and interrupt all of that. We are killing the moment by controlling our experience. So I don't know about you guys, but I figured that if I meditated enough, if I ate all the right foods, if I did all the right things with my kids, if I did all the right things with myself, then everything would turn out all right. It didn't work out that way. I, I still I, I still meditate. I still drink green smoothies. Um, <laughs> uh, she goes on to say that when things are shaky and nothing is working, we might realize that we are on the verge of something. And this is that point that we, we want to pull back from because it's scary. We might realize that this is a vulnerable and tender place. And that tenderness can go either way. We can shut down and we can feel resentful. Or we can touch on that throbbing quality. And I think, I know from my own experience, I have done, a, I have done both those things. And I have tried the being resentful for a long time and then gone back to realize that that, that doesn't serve me. But it's, it's certainly the easier thing to do. Rather than experience something, it's easier to put blame on another person, another circumstance, and then you can be angry at them, and it, you don't have to deal with the part in yourself that was in all of that. So a lot of what she talks about is being there for when you aren't perfect, for when you don't feel sure of yourself, when you're looking around the world and thinking, well, everybody else has got this shit figured out. What is my problem? Like, really, what is my problem? The truth of it is that everybody's doing that. Some people are just better at hiding it than others. And some people are better at seeing it than others. And to bring in another one of my heroes, Brené Brown, who talks about vulnerability and all... You guys know who Brené Brown is? Mm -hmm. Have you seen her TED Talk and her, her Netflix special? Okay, yeah, she's another one of my heroes. But she taught you know, she talks a lot about vulnerability. And here is just another thing about showing up um, when it's not pretty. And she says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or when the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who actually does strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm, 
great devotion and who spends himself in a worthy cause. Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. So the idea is a person who is down in the muck failing and getting up again and failing and getting up again and not the person who is sitting up in the seats going, oh, look at the way that guy screwed up. I'm okay up here. At least I'm not failing. The concept of falling and, and getting up again and falling and being stuck in the mud and the being uncomfortable, that is what daring greatly is, and that is what's being authentic is, and that is what's really difficult, which is why we so often fault, default into defensive mechanisms, to putting up walls, to protecting ourselves, to pretending we don't care. So there's this Hindu goddess, and Parna has helped me here before, that she's just my favorite, and she is the goddess of never being not broken, and Parna is going to pronounce the Sanskrit for me. It's the bold one, about two-thirds down the road. Akhilandeshwari. Okay, so you guys understand why I maybe struggled with that. (laughs) All right, so by the end of class, we're all going to need to pronounce that correctly. But she is the goddess of never being not broken. So it's, it's this whole personification of this always being on the edge, always on the verge of failure or failing or getting up from that failure or experiencing a heartbreak. She is not, not the broken that comes from weak and terror, but the kind of broken that tears apart all the stuff that gets stuck in our toxic routines where we repeat the same relationships and habits over and over again rather than diving into the scary process of trying something new and unfathomable. You know, we get into those grooves, the samskaras, that we just keep repeating. We just keep walking this path because to do anything else is too frightening. To step out of this groove that we have for ourselves, our comfort zone, that you know, we talk so much about in yoga, about getting out of your comfort zone, stepping out of that. But she drives her power from being broken, from being in flux, from falling apart at different times and at different selves and in different places. And it's a, I think it's just, it's a, it's a gorgeous idea that we never figure it out. We're never going to figure it out. You're never going to get to that end line. Well, we do get to an end line. And everybody gets to that same end line. It's the same finish line for all of us. But while we're alive, there is no race ending. There's gonna, there might be balloons, there might be ribbons at some point, but there will always be a next thing. And that groundlessness is, is terrifying because we want that solid ground underneath us. So she talks about this, this groundlessness, and she says that you get to make a choice in pieces in a pile on the floor with no idea how to go forward. Your expectations of of, of the future are meaningless. Your stories about the past do not apply. You are in flux. You are changing. You are flowing in a new way. And this is an incredibly powerful opportunity to become new again, to choose how you want to put yourself back together. 
confusion can be an incredible teacher. How could you ever learn if you already had it all figured out? So the beginner's mind, the idea that not knowing what to do is a wonderful thing. It's a place to start from absolutely knowing nothing. And the other thing that's really cool about her is that she rides a crocodile, which is kind of badass. Crocodiles are a reptile, symbolizing the reptilian part of the brain and fear. I mean, it's kind of scary. Nobody really wants to mess with a crocodile. And you know, the way a crocodile will attack a prey, it doesn't use strength. What it does is it gets a hold of it, and then it takes it underwater and swirls and swirls and swirls it till it's, it drowns and, you know, and it's confused. And so instead of running from this reptilian fear, this, this groundlessness, this constant swirling, she just rides on that crocodile. <laughs> so she's just riding on top of her, her fear. Uh, she, she goes with the flow. She rides this fear down the river. And it talks about the brokenness, confusion that we have all felt that we might even be feeling at some level right now. You know, especially this time of year, things are a little crazy, a little confusing, and we're, we're trying to get so much done. So that's a little, that's a little bit about her. So her lesson is that even if everything grows, becomes colorful, any, any groove that we create, any, any surety that we create is an illusion. And it means nothing if we can't keep going and breaking and falling apart and pulling ourselves back together again. We are never not broken. We are never a consistent, limited whole. In our brokenness, we are unlimited. And then the final quote I have is from Pema Chodron, which is, I think, just the essence of uh, Kintsugi and also the essence of never being not broken. And she says, things falling apart is a kind of testing and also a kind of healing. We think the point is to pass the test or overcome the problem, but the truth is that things don't ever really get solved. They come together and then they fall apart and then they come together and they fall apart a different way. Life is like that. The healing comes from letting there be room for all of this to happen. Room for grief, for relief, for misery, and for joy. So, all of that said, the uh, Kintsugi comes from, uh, there was uh, a Japanese, this important Japanese person had a favorite teacup, and he broke it. And he sent it to China to get it fixed, and it came back with these really ugly metal staples in it. And he's like, ah, oh. So he turned it over to Japanese craftsmen and asked them to come up with something that was a little more pleasing. And the direct translation of Kintsugi means uh, golden joinery. So it's rejoining the ceramic pieces instead of camouflaging the adhesive. You take, they use a, a, a tree lacquer. We, we have something else, but you take that you put gold in it, and then the cracks become, the things that are broken become more valuable. 
and more broken. So the object, after it has been broken, is more beautiful and more value, valuable. Just like the idea of a broken heart, that it's the breaking and the bringing together is the thing that makes it beautiful and valuable. And this, this method celebrates the, the history of emphasizing that fractures and breaks, instead of disguising them, makes them beautiful by repairing them with the gold, the golden thread, so to speak. So to get in tune with this broken parts of ourselves, I have kind of a, a two-part meditation. One of them is going to be a seated meditation. And then we're going to lay down, and we're going to listen to some Leonard Cohen, because if Leonard Cohen can't get you in touch with that part of yourself, I don't know who can. 